good morning, beautiful people. Welcome back to the second hour of Love Babs Love Talk. I'm Babs Rose Ivy. Today I have in the studio, so I think this is Travis Andrews. Yep. That and Andy funny. Myerson. Hello. Yeah. Hey y'all. How y'all doing? Good. How are you? I'm listen, today looks pretty good out today. <laughs> yeah, are you all in New Haven now or are you coming on your way? We are in New Haven right now. We're okay. under uh, we're in the commons, I think. Oh the- yeah, 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 yeah. The Schwartzman Center. Yeah. yeah. All right. So so my guests today are here because they're doing a production, the Living Earth Show. Uh, which is a multimedia production featuring music, movement, and visual art. So they're going to be in New Haven one one day only today, <laughs> right? Yeah. Today's your day at the yeah, Sportsman Center, yeah. and you're in the dome. And the dome is a beautiful space. Have you? I know you've been up there already. Yeah, but we, we did a we did our like our sound check and all the stuff yesterday. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful. They they put a lot of money into it. Looks good. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. All right. So tell me about this show. Why is it called the Living Earth Show? Well, so the Living Earth Show is the name of our group. That's the oh. name. Of the, group. the show yeah, itself is called Lyra. Um, the okay. Doing here is Lyra, which is um, basically the uh, a recontextualization of the myth of Orpheus that was written by a composer Sam Adams that we do with a ballet company called Post Ballet from San Francisco. That kind of is a lot of the dance and choreography was built for film and projection. So much of the story takes place in the American West or in like the kind of inaccessible parts of it. And the choreography is filmed there, which is projected behind us. And then live dance happens at the end. So how did y'all come up with this? Like how, cause this seems like a lot of collaboration has to happen cause it's a lot of moving parts. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, I think every, every kind of artistic production has a lot of collaboration and a lot of moving parts. Like I think the, we've sort of worked with, ballet companies and composers for a long time and sort of our job is to like use sound to help articulate people's visions in whatever okay. way that can kind of like manifest okay so so the name so the name of your band is the living earth show yeah, yeah. okay and so now do you ever not perform with all the moving parts yeah we perform as a duo all the time um we have like, and under the umbrella of the organization that we have a lot of other smaller, other, not even smaller, but just projects that exist autonomously with other names that we're a part of. Um, there's like, uh, well, we have like a gay rap metal band called Commando. We have, um, we're doing a project with this amazing poet, Lenny Breedlove, um, called Trilogy of Terror. And they all have like different individual little names, but they exist autonomously under the umbrella of the, the organization that we have, yes. So tell me, how did y'all come together? How did y'all say, you know what, let's get together because we're musicians and we, we should do this. That's fair. <laughs> we met in grad school at the San Francisco Conservatory of Music. Um, and we were both kind of like doing things that really were not this, the standard classical music fair on our instruments. I'm a drummer percussionist, Travis is an electric guitarist. And so we kind of met because we were, we were, we were kind of like outside of the, the place that we were in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, do you feel like that's a good place to be in outside right now? Because there seems to be a lot of, uh, at least to me, post-pandemic, there seems to be a lot of creative energy out there. People sort of seizing the opportunity to be creative and like, you know, this is my shot because we were locked in for so long. Yeah. I mean, I think we were sort of, I'm curious how you'd answer that, but like Travis, but I don't know if there's anything necessarily different about that. I think the pandemic kind of accelerated a lot of trends that were already happening. 
-hmm. in how institutions were operating in like how the feel how all sorts of art and music were kind of like changing it just made that change happen really fast I think it's true but like I, I think like interpersonally like I see people just really excited to connect like people are willing to come see and do things that like they have been starved for for years so like mm -hmm. I see like an enthusiasm that's like I think is pretty contagious um I think just in terms of like how you know much we've been like performing the productions that we made and been traveling like this feels like a return to 2019 levels of busy, which is great. Just like having to do, you know, these like post pandemic tasks with a, you know, with, with a post or pre pandemic test with a post pandemic body kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so now where are y'all from? San Francisco. Both of you from San Francisco. Did you know each other before grad school? No. Oh, I'm from Baltimore originally. And okay. And I grew up in southern Wisconsin, but yeah, we met in school and then we've been like Andy and I have played together almost every day for 14 years. <laughs> that's true. I know. That's but that listen, that's stronger than most marriages, let me tell you. So yeah, yeah it is. I know. For real. For real, for real. So so what makes you decide to take on a project? Somebody calls you up and say, Hey, I'm doing this thing. Do you what do you what do you what is the first thing that you think about before you say yes? So we usually start this. like and yeah, yeah, I would say that you and Andy's the, like in in our roles, you know, we've kind of grown from just being you know instrumentalists. Like Andy's artistic director, it often comes from Andy. And so what that means, like my role in in that capacity, my job is to sort of like function in a commissioning capacity, right? So like if there's artists who are making work that are that that you know feels important and feels like you know needs as much of a platform as possible our job is to be like hey can we as an organization as a band as an ensemble be useful in whatever it means to articulate your vision like can mm -hmm. we be an extension of your practice in a way that feels helpful and if the answer is no that's awesome too but like for a composer like sam for dancers like post ballet like can can we help you use sound to create the thing that you want to create to articulate your vision if that makes sense and that can no, exist yeah, yeah it does i get it it's like uh uh, so does this keep you busy? Like, does this make you zigzag around the world, across the yeah. country? Yeah, I mean, it, we do like so many different types of things so often. It does feel a little like a little bit of whiplash going from very different thing to very different thing with very different collaborators all the time. But it's cool. It's like kind of the point of music making and the point of like sound to or like how, how music can articulate visions. So, so so when you are collaborating with other people what sort of music that you personally like like what's in your like what's on your playlist oh man i was bummed when jimmy buffett died that sucked. <laughs> and he you're loved, little, you're he, a little young for jimmy buffett aren't he you loves jimmy buffett i mean i mostly like the deep cuts though like the songs that that weren't singles because he, he has way more songs than you think he did he loves math sucks that's, that's like a good his song. favorite yeah, Math favorite Sucks song. is my favorite Jimmy Buffett song. It's like, cause I think they have to fill yeah. out, like there's singles, but he has to he has to make whole albums. So he like fills it out with weird, weird songs. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's some, there's some weird ones. Uh, they're, uh, Rammstein, we like. Uh, yeah, we do. Like, uh, I would, it's, it's funny. I like, I'm sure like every practitioner, I'm sure you feel this way, where it's, I, I'm having difficulties like, <laughs> figuring out you know what i like from a top level i know the ingredients that i like and when i spot those ingredients in like some sort of act or something like i get excited 
Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I've been struggling, like, to, just to to find stuff to listen to. I've mostly been I mean, doing like audiobooks because I get so like overwhelmed with like the stuff we do. I mean, the the new Kim Petras mixtape is very strong. <laughs> uh, that's that real good. Now, do you go? Do you go to? Do you go to other concerts? Like, where yeah. do you draw your inspiration from? Like, what what inspires you? Do you, are, do you someplace and you're like, oh my gosh, I could do something with this. I mean, I think our job as musicians is to be really proactive listeners, like aggressively proactive listeners. And so like, I think I, I always feel like I'm not going to enough shows or not hearing enough things, but I try to like do as much as I can. You too, right? Like, yeah, I think it's different because it's like, it's like so much more detail oriented for me. And not that you don't notice details like in our dynamic, but mm-hmm. like, I think that, you know, one of the reasons we get a like along so well is just that like your performance practice of percussion is like the thing I'm obsessed with. Mm-hmm. Right. So like the thing that I find mo and I think it's, I think it's the best instrument. Yeah. You percussion know, percussion. Yeah. So like, I think that that's the thing that I find most inspiring is like somebody doing something with a struck object that like I could not have thought of. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most inspirational thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you draw inspiration from as much uh, around you as you can. You try to go to a, enough concerts to hear enough music, you know, which you will always fall short of. How do you how do you spend your downtime? Like, are you do you have moments when there's no music playing and you have you need silence? Hmm. I don't I don't know. Um, I can I can turn off the the critical part of my brain when music's around too. Like I don't I'm not automatically working when I listen to music. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's, I mean, because you're listening for pleasure rather than, oh my God, I would have did this with this and that, and I would have did a little less of that and. Totally. You know, so. All right. So tell me about this show. What can we expect? What What's the expectation for the show? When 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 people come to the show tonight, what, what are they going to get? You want to start this one, Travis? I can, I can take it too, but. No, you're doing a wonderful job. All right. <laughs> it's, it's cool. It's basically like, you know, I think as people who primarily practice classical music and like contemporary classical music, the question of like, what's the point comes up a lot for me. Like, why does this performance practice exist? Why does like the classical tradition exist? And like the space that Western classical tradition, like of, like musical traditions take up is is something to be double clicking on constantly. But this is a piece that like uses very, very contemporary sounds and sound sources, right? Like electric guitars, like a lot of processing, a lot of like digital manipulation of sound, a lot of film, a lot of like things like that to tell a very old story, right? Like Orpheus as a, as a story is extremely old, but also its use in classical art has been, you know, every ballet company, every composer has written their Orpheus piece. And so the challenge that we had was like, how do you use what does it mean to make this story actually relevant to the world that we live in? What does it mean to make ecology in the American West a character in it? And what does it mean to articulate that with movement? And so the the dance itself, a lot of it is projected on film. Some of it happens live. And the, the synthesis of like live and digital movement with live and digital sound is a something that I've never really been a part of. It's really like, it, it feels extremely contemporary, but also very connected to Monteverdi and like the history of music as I learned it. Mm. So you know you're gonna you're gonna have students in the audience who 
are you know are steadfast and 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 you know uh, uh serious about studying music at Yale and where, wherever um and they're gonna see your performance and they're gonna be like oh, man I didn't know you could do that what would you say to young people who are coming out of that classical world and and feel like well you know what there's something else I'd like to do with that and they see what you do how do you talk to them about what you do Oh my God, that'd be the best reaction. Yeah, that's what we always go for. Like the the idea of like, and when we talk to students, the ones who say like, I didn't know you could do that is the best thing. That's to, the best thing to hear. I mean, those are my most formative musical experiences when I had those aha moments of like, that's allowed, that's possible. I mean, I mean, what I would say is just keep listening to things, like keep going to things like the Schwarzman Center does really great stuff in that world, but also like Toad seems like it has really cool stuff going on too. Like, yeah, oh, they, yeah. they do. Things you've never heard of and like learn to play it, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, and also read, like, understand if things are resonant, understand why. Like, or ask yourself why. If like people care about a thing, if it seems like it's like speaking subculturally or something, like, understand why and how. And then ask mm -hmm. yourself if that's a thing you want to be a part of. But you can be pretty like analytical about this sort of thing if you give yourself permission to be. I think like also to, you know, like when you're in school, you know, it, it's so much just about you and your development that th this is a huge collaboration. There's a ton of people involved. I think like the thing that I would have wanted to hear, you know, after like having a good experience, like at a show, which I hope everybody has, but just mm -hmm. be social. Yeah. Meet people, work with people. Maybe mm -hmm. meet people, work with people you don't like immediately. Mm hmm so when you all were students in conservatory, did you have some idea that this is what you want to do? Or did you grow into it? Like, did you just follow your, you know, you started following your instincts? Because what did you want to do before you started doing this? I want to hear you answer that question. I just wanted to play. And then, mm -hmm. you know, it kind of fell into other things and like started making decisions about what mattered and what didn't matter and, you know, what to follow and what to let go. I guess anybody on any path did. But I want to hear you answer. This. I think we like basically had, you know, um, <laughs> like we started with like we started as a contemporary music ensemble in a very traditional way of just like the way the tradition has always worked. We commissioned pieces that we thought were like hard or interesting and like tried to make more of the thing that we liked playing in school. Um, and that very quickly became a pretty, like, it felt insignificant and kind of selfish as a pursuit. And so the, like about a year or two in, after we sort of got better at playing, maybe like, probably two or three, between two and four years in, we sort of changed the fundamental question of what we were doing about, rather than like sort of justifying our own existence, like the question was, how can we use music to, or sound, the sounds that we make to help people or be a tool in the service of people who are making things that we feel are important. And changing that research question, like, kind of grew out of, like, a practice of playing chamber music in a way that felt traditional and, like, not necessarily irrelevant, but the, it, it didn't really feel worthwhile as a, as the be-all and end-all goal of what we were doing, as opposed to, like, but then seeing how music could articulate these things, these visions, these perspectives, felt like the real, the, the reason to be doing what we did that also synthesized other interests outside of music. Hmm. So tell me, how did you name the band? Like, what what is the what is the story behind the Living Earth? Basically, it's a lyric from a band that we like called Ween, and we wanted something that was basically like that was detached from from sonic expectation. Um, so like the idea of like being the whatever ensemble or the whatever duo or the whatever thing 
felt like a, we wanted something that really just like not necessarily innocuous but could be mapped onto any performance practice and would make sense and any number of people any number of sounds any number of perspectives so it was like it was a very stupid lyric but like it sort of allowed us to to exist in a way that felt detached from any tradition or expectation if that makes sense no it does it does it does so now uh how big is the band is it just you two or is there a whole bunch of other folks there there are other collaborate i mean every show every show is like a new collaboration for us but like the living earth show is me and andy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so what is the what is the goal and the dream and the hope for living earth like where, where 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 do you go with this? I mean, do you think oh we could get a Grammy or oh we could play with the Philharmonic in London? Like what what's the what's Travis, the like, goal? <laughs> those are those are such funny goals. I mean, Travis plays with like the San Francisco Symphony and the LA Phil all the time, and like a, a like those are those are those feel like goals that. I don't know, kind of like those feel like they would be maybe sort of solipsistic goals. They they do. You know, like we, we've when we sit down and do this, like when we wake up like too early for West Coast time and just sit and have coffee and have like the big what's the point conversation. Like It's like, well, you know, I think your and one time, Andy, that really got stuck in my head was just to like to influence the conversation mm -hmm. or God help us like change the conversation. Right. I mean, like to, if you if you can use music and sound to make the world suck less, like that's the real goal. <laughs> oftentimes those signifiers of institutional support and success do more harm than good mm -hmm. or they sort of solidify or perpetuate systems that we don't necessarily believe in like artistically creatively culturally socially politically all those things and so on some level you know participating in them is a type of you know we don't want to feel complicit in those systems as they keep people out as they do do all sorts of things that might not be in line with our own values mm -hmm. and we sort of struggle every day with the extent to which our participation is a type of complicit um i, I don't know like it, it's 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 there's tension in that that i think is important and necessary but like how much one works within and outside of institutions to articulate things is especially when we're working with folks whose perspectives have been generally at the margins of those of those structures um but I don't know. I mean, our, our job is to be able to, to articulate these perspectives and to articulate things that words can't in these conversations mm. with as much be able to impact, impact and influence folks who want to hear that sort of thing or need to. I mean, it, it's got to be challenging because there's so many systems at play that you have to maneuver through, right? And, and, and some of them uh, question your integrity some of them calling the question you know your your musical ability like what how do you is it a case per case basis do you have a a, a a strong mission statement like this is what we stand on yeah i mean you know like life under capitalism is a compromise whatever like you know we have there, there's a ton of compromises that we make every day all the time um but i think like it just, I think the only way to deal with that is to have that conversation very regularly. Hold on one sec. Uh, oh, that's all right. <laughs> Listen, this is just live radio. That's all right. Uh, yeah, Tucci's in the show. Tucci's in the show, too. Yeah, Tucci's dancing in the show. Tucci's dancing. Hello. Yeah. Very interesting. Jesse's helping. 
Yeah, hi guys. <laughs> is awesome. No, we're we're taking this from the dressing room. Um, That's fine. They can jump in and say whatever they want to say too, from their perspective. I mean, because you know, listen, you're 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 at a, a Ivy League uh, uh, institution of higher education. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's full of systems and. I mean, they're working on, like everybody else, working to sort of train the next generation of leaders and world leaders. And how do you do that? And, you know, how do you offer, bring things to them that open their mind and bring the living earth folks uh, is one is part of that. I mean, what does that do for you? I mean, I think like wherever we play, our job is to like do do whatever we can to to allow the, like, the perspectives that we're trying to articulate to be heard. I mean, we play in all sorts of places. Um, some some that are more, I don't know if exclusive is the word than others, but maybe I think that that is one of many words we could use to describe some of the places that we play. And I think our job is to speak to whoever we're playing to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like, Yale is a cool is, is so cool for so many reasons. I mean, as a music school, like the composer that we worked with was a graduate. Um, the School of Music has had such an outsized influence on the conversation of what classical music in the United States is that being able to bring work from an alumni here is a it, it's a really fascinating conversation. Um, and it does have really interesting implications when it comes to like what does the lineage of classical music look like? What does it mean for it to be so centered in one place? Like, that's really, really cool to see something grow so organically, but also what, who, who, is, who is not part of that conversation and why and how, and how do we expand that as a result of what we're doing? And I think the way we've kind of come down on that is to do more things, right? Like the more things that we do, the more conversations that we can have and the more people we can be in dialogue with, if that makes sense. It is. Mm-hmm. So what what's your what's your best venue to play? Like ideally, like if you could have whatever you want, what's the venue? Tell me the venue. A lot of shows in like we're trying to get in a band like a, one of the vacant Walgreens in San Francisco to do our season. <laughs> um, that would be our ideal, I think. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It, it's we played in a the national park on the or like we played a show in like the really in a group like really gross stagnant water in San Francisco on the on the Pacific coast for a for a piece that was like about and around water. I mean it's it's a lot less about the venue for me I think as it is what you can do with it mm-hmm. and the people who have access to it. Um we played a show on a on a yacht. The yacht show. Yeah, we, that we, was we, a good one. Yeah, you can like rent yeah. one of those boats, right? Like for weddings and stuff. We rented one for yeah, the show. Like kind of working from like the shows, like, okay, well, we did we did a like an entire show uh, that was based on the ninety-fourth chapter of Herman Melville's Moby Dick. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it was like a it was something that was pulled from that chapter called Squeeze, Squeeze, Squeeze with mm-hmm. this composer Luciano Kessa. And then we came to the conclusion that well, the ideal venue for this piece is at sea. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to figure out how to charter a boat that could fit an audience. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but like, that was but that's when we're at our best. And I think like the idea of like the sort of wouldn't necessarily call it like a like like a fetishization or like a hierarchy of venues feels like like the the kind of venue climbing for us is less if we can reach people that's the point like mm-hmm. that can be anywhere that can be in any like 
any place where people feel comfortable and open and accessible and like are available to hear. Um, like, I don't think, do you, I always feel, I feel as if it's always better when it's not a proscenium stage and um, when it has something that obviously has to do with the sound. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with that. I mean, we played a show in the Netherlands at a, in a cathedral for when we installed a giant instrument there and that felt like that made a lot more sense. Um, then when we did it on the stage, well, actually, no, we did it on stage is great too, but I don't know when we can turn, when you can make the space a character in the piece, as opposed to like trying to live up to this prestigious stage, like, or doing that kind of makes it feel like it's about repertoire rather than about experience. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I think like this one, the way that we had the conversation in this piece with Lyra was that it was supposed to be spatialized audio, that it should be a sound bath, that there's a beautiful film because, you know, we, it's, it's the way for us to reach the most people mm -hmm. uh, without touring with the ballet company, but then it turned into something that was even better than we could have possibly imagined, like at least like with the settings, it's like all in the, in the Sierras in California. But the dome is a really. I was going to say the dome is a very interesting place, and it's got great acoustics and. Yeah, yeah, it's so reflective. So it's just like the sound goes everywhere. So it did kind of wind up being like just as good of a venue for this oh, piece perfect. as like you know maybe uh, you know playing in stagnant water was for another piece about water. <laughs> like, mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the dome is as good of a room as we've ever been in. Like for this piece. Oh, it's beautiful, and like because it's so intimate in there like you can really see and hear every detail mm -hmm. and you feel, you feel kind of connection in a way that like maybe in a proscenium stage would be lost so I there's like everyone's kind of together in a very different way so now did you choose the dome or they or they they we invited about you what to play in the dome dome i think they like we talked about what venues were possible within the schwartzman center and that one just felt perfect but because we've been like is. around. It's an amazing yes, complex. because they got a lot of space in there. Like they've got, you know, the commons and the this and the that and the president's room and all this, you know, but the dome, the dome, I think is something special. So they didn't show, yeah. us, the, they didn't show us the president's room. I do. Well, <laughs> I don't think it was for lack of trying. I think it was time, but this is our first time. This is our first time here. We really want to make a good impression. I think mm -hmm. like that's a great room to start in. And, and, and especially and, for this piece, I, I can't imagine like doing it in any other room yeah. here. Other than the, the was it president's room? Yeah. That's one we didn't see. <laughs> so do you um do you get to teach a class today or like well, are you just tomorrow. chilling? Yeah, well, tomorrow. Oh, you gotta teach a class tomorrow. We got yeah. we have two shows today and a sound check, so we're gonna be pretty on it. Okay. Well I know about the show. I didn't know there were two shows, but okay. So today you're doing it, Lyra. We're doing um, it twice today. Yeah, I think the first one's at four. Yeah, I think maybe the second one's at seven. Yeah, Is that I think right? so. There's a oh, four okay. and a seven thirty show. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty good. Um, and it's today at the Schwartzman Center in the Dome. Um, mm -hmm. You're doing Lyra, uh, a program of live music, film, and dance. So, um, how do you like New Haven? Have you had pizza here yet? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't know this. Andy has long <laughs> been aware of like the pizza reputation in this town. <laughs> And then, like, I, I, you know, I'm sorry, don't hate me, but I didn't believe him. Um, do you yeah, not like, know I'm, Paul Giamatti, who was just talking about pizza on uh, on uh, uh, Jimmy Kimmel the other night? He was talking about New Haven pizza because he's from here. It was a pretty, 
a pretty short Google search to find out the reputation of this town of pizza. So yeah, on our walk in this morning, we're like, okay, we got to do pizza. Like today, we got to have pizza. You, you can't we... come here without pizza. Yeah. Okay, where 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 should where should I take a pizza? Where would day? one go? Well, well, there's 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 the there's the trilogy: Frank Pepe's, mm. Sally's, and Modern. Mm. You know, okay. so that's that's the holy oh. trinity right there. For sure, and, and then on 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 the record, is there one you would recommend of the three? Well, because you know, here's the thing: I have a I have a severe dairy allergy, so I yeah. have to have vegan cheese. So I yeah. go to um, Nolo on State Street, and they make they have a beautiful vegan cheese menu pizza, pizzas. Mm. I mean, yeah. they're well done in the New Haven style. Yeah, yeah. Is it the cashew base or what? Uh, I I they might be. I don't mm. know. But they're really good, and when I go, when I want pizza, that's where I go. What are the what are the definitive properties of a New Haven pizza? Oh my God! Now you're gonna start a you're gonna start a war. I mean, I think the yeah. thin crust, thin crust. Okay. Char good. a little char on that crust. Char. Right. Does um, the char have to come from Woodburn? Yes. It does. Maybe. Ah. Okay. <laughs> debatable. Dayton's a pizza entered the chat. Oh, that's my, that's my that's my producer. <laughs> yeah. See, All right. It is a very pizza war town, so you have to pick a side. So I don't want you to be caught out there without a without a pizza credit to your name. So this is, I mean, this is where the arts at. <laughs> Here is this pizza convo. Yes. Yes. So. Get out there and have somebody walk you to a pizza place or take you to a pizza place and get some, get some, get some good pizza in you so you can, so you can legitimately answer uh, enter into these pizza wars. Oh, we, we need carbs after after yeah. the show because that would just that would make a really bad show beforehand. Well, maybe really a very of carb content. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, maybe somebody will order. What do you like on a pizza? Oh my god! Um, Please don't say pineapple. Yeah, don't. <laughs> I do. I like kids pizza. I know it's a kids pizza. I don't care. I think it's a great pizza. I also like, you know, that's my, that's the sweet side of things. Savory. I will absolutely go for an anchovy. Anchovies are Absolutely. Great. Yeah. Anchovies rule. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I try. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But well, we love Babs. We do. Well, I'm so glad that I had opportunity to talk to y'all and uh and thank you for making the time before your show, your sets today, because I know how busy you are and you have to get these sound checks done and you got a lot of moving parts to this thing. Oh, yeah. so I appreciate your time and this is a good chunk of time to um have a conversation. So I appreciate it very much. Well, a lovely way to start our Yeah, it was too, lovely so. to meet you and we feel I feel more at home in New Haven for a first timer. So yeah. thank you. Oh, good. It's a wonderful city. If you get a chance to to get out from underneath the Swartzman Center and take a little walk or something and go have some coffee somewhere or whatever, you know, oh, get out yeah. of the bubble and, you know, really take it in. So yeah, that's what it, it's, it seems, yeah, it, it seems like a really cool place. We're yeah. very honored and happy to be here. It's a wonderful city to live in. So you should come back. And if you had more time, you could really take in some of the sights and sounds. Absolutely. Um, well, we're going to get won't more. We'll be disappointed. So thank you so much. Have a good time. Right, Enjoy your here. show. Come thank back. You. Yeah. We will you know? do our best. All but right. But thank you so much. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Travis. Enjoy Bye -bye. yourselves. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, all right, Harry Droz.
that's our show today. Thank you very much. Woo! I think I have guests. Do I have guests tomorrow too? I'm trying to think. I've been doing a lot of talking this week. Yes. I've got uh, Gracie from Southern Connecticut State University coming on. So I'm looking forward to talking to her uh, tomorrow um, about her show at uh, Southern Connecticut State University. So go to the Schwartzman tonight. Uh, they've got two shows, one at 4, one at 7.30, I guess. And check out uh, The Living Earth um, doing Lyra uh, with a whole bunch of folks. <laughs> Dancers, musicians, film, music, all of it. You know, so get in there, check it out. Thank you, Schwartzman Center. Uh, bye, Paul. Bye, Harry. I'll see you all tomorrow. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh.